Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original, Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Do you ever just want to break through the noise of the endless tapping, tagging, typing, and scrolling? Talk to your audience where they're really listening, like you are now, and start advertising in audio. Start your podcast ad campaign for as little as $250 by visiting go.acast.com slash ads. That's go.acast.com slash ads. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. 
It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Thank you, too. Summertime And the living is easy Fish are jumping And the cotton Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. Uh, today's quick hit is uh, the Portland show. We're with um, CJ, who's at Ingest77 on Twitter, and Josh, who's at Nola Socks on Twitter, two of our great friends and great um, supporters of the podcast and, and recent recent guests. Um, so we're glad to have you back. What's up, guys? Hey, CJ. How are we Thanks for having us. Yeah, Hello. man. So you guys both got to see a fish show last night within, what, 10, 15 minutes of, of where you live, um, give or take, which is pretty awesome. Um, what was the, uh, I guess let's just start about, talk about the scene, you know, downtown before the show. And I mean, it's such a great downtown with so much to do and so many great, you know, restaurants and, and so much good beer. Was it, was it a pretty celebratory atmosphere before and going into the venue? It was great because the last, all the last shows there have been in the dead of winter or and uh having it be such a warm atmosphere um outside was uh i hadn't seen the the area around the the civic center like that before um it was it was pretty electric outside beforehand awesome josh what about you yeah i know you um you were giving people a lot of advice on bars and restaurants and whatnot um what was your take on the just kind of before scene, pre scene. Yeah, you know it's great. The uh, it's it's a small enough city that when the fish crowds uh, descend on Portland, it's very very noticeable. Uh, so just the blocks surrounding the venue are packed with uh, you know kind of scattered shakedown streets and lot scenes. And then uh, it was great to hang out with a bunch of other people uh, at Novari. So it was it was a good 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 downtown city scene before a show, and nice to kind of, nice change up from uh, the normal lot scene in the middle of the summer tour. Nice. Um, so can we still call it the Cumberland County Civic Center, or do we have to call it the Cross Insurance? Arena? If if you don't call it the Cumberland County Civic Center, I'm pretty sure CJ will drop out of this call. Okay, cool. So that's what we're gonna. I will. Um, so I've been I've been to this venue once. Um, I think in uh, 09, I guess. Um, it's a really cool venue. Um, did it seem, did it feel, um, did it feel as intimate as, as sort of it looked in, through the pictures? And did it, did it feel like a different kind of show because of the, the size? I mean, the, the Cumberland County Civic Center always feels small. Like, no matter how many times you're in there for a show, as soon as I walk in, it's like, wow, this is a small little, you know, ice hockey rink. Um, it's intimate. It's small. Like there's not a bad seat in the house. There's no overhangs. Whether you're on the floor or in the bowl, you're going to get a great view, and I would assume great sound. I was on the floor yesterday, but um, I, I don't think there's a bad seat in the house. It does seem just as small. It seems like almost like your living room kind of thing, as opposed to you know I went to Magna Ball last year and um, it was 
my last fish experience and, and having something so massive to go back to something so small. Um, I was standing as close to the band as, as seven years. Uh, we were just right, right of a uh, page kind of up on a landing. Um, uh, so it was great to see the band that close and see them interacting and, and, um, uh, and it was hot. It was really, really hot. I saw someone post a, a tweet at set break that said, lukewarm set scorching venue or something to that effect. Um, but let's talk about the music a little bit, guys. What, um, I guess, you know, starting with the first set, highlights highlights for you, um, first set and, and then into the second set. I'd say my highlights, I, I love the one-two punch of grind and then uh, cars, trucks, buses to start kind of seemed like a unique, uh, you know, first two songs for a show, um, even though they kind of botched the end of Cars, Trucks, Buses, but um, we'll give them a mulligan. Um, and I think my other highlight in the first set was My Friend, My Friend. It's one of my favorite songs, um, really one of my favorite set openers. They obviously played this in the middle of the set, but I just felt a lot of energy coming from that song, and I was just really into it. And uh, I... I love my friend my friend so whenever they play it i'm i'm into it nice what about I, you, yeah i i um the, hearing the sloth was a big highlight for me um i'm never gonna tire of hearing that i could hear that most every show um but i gotta agree with josh my friend my friend was i think i texted him uh once it started up because um, i know you both have an affinity for that song and uh, i think it was probably the hardest i danced all night um, I was very excited to hear that. And to be fair, um, even the end of heavy things I thought was was pretty good last night. Trey kind of did this uh, cascade of notes at the end that made heavy things uh, not that bad two shows in a row. Nice. Um, and <laughs> so we're, we've um, all of us, I think, have been trading notes about the about the second set, particularly the the tweezer and. Um, Kind of following this pattern, right? Of sort of shortish, shortish jams, more songs in and out of things, um, different kinds of placement, different kinds of selection. What were you guys? What, what's your take on the on the second set in terms of the the actual selection, but also the the quality of the playing from your perspective? Um, I thought uh, they came out with the second set. I thought the first one was was fantastic, and the energy after they were done was was super high. And they came out and started the second set with first tube, which just like if that place was hot before, it was broiling. By the time they kicked into tweezer, um, everybody was was ecstatic in the whole building. Um, the tweezer jam was was short, but I thought seemed a lot longer than than um, the time says. Um, and you know, to cut it that short uh, and to go into Gaiuti, I don't know if anybody was upset with that. I have to say, I love Gaiuti, and I thought they nailed all the composed stuff really well last night. Uh, so I thought that, that that was that was pretty good song placement, even though it, it shortened up in Caesar Jam. Um, the mic that was fun to hear come up, um, kind of giving, you know, sending me back to the first show that I'd seen there. Uh, and then... Uh, the tides turned, and it kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> started, yeah, started to get it started to get a little bit soggy. Where I think more people wanted it to 
to get a little bit jammier and um, definitely seemed to affect a bit of the energy in the room. Um, I actually thought Devotion to a Dream kind of had a nice trait beat on the, on the solo, and Windsuit I thought was, was played really well. Um, but at that point, it kind of, kind of mellowed out. Bittersweet Motel was a great breakout. Uh, not a song that everybody is clamoring for uh, to bring home. Yeah, I love Wingsuit. I'm, I'm curious how that how that played out for you guys. Wingsuit was one of my highlights of the set. Um, cool. You know, I think thinking back on it, I think the Mike song, while short, was you know pretty intense. But you know, I'd agree with what CJ said that kind of after the Mike song they kind of fell into a pattern that we've seen in some recent shows where, you know, call it the fourth quarter or, or what you will, but it just sort of, it became songy and um, there just kind of wasn't a whole lot of meat, at least in my opinion. I mean, everybody goes to shows looking for different things. You can say you don't have expectations, but there are things that people like about shows and uh, you know, the, Kind of the end of it fizzled a little bit in my mind, but that's not to say I didn't have fun. Did they, uh, Fluffhead, bring it back up a piece? I would think that that kind of would have reversed the, the downturn, as it were. A little bit. Um, it was it was great to hear Fluffhead after its absence. You know, after I listen, I've listened a lot to Wrigley Two, which I think might be my favorite. You know, front to back set so far of this tour. And I really like the placement of Fluffhead there, um, you know, kind of coming off the tweezer and it was the first Fluffhead in a couple years. And I just, I felt it kind of fit really well there. Fluffhead at the end of the set, um, it was, it was good. It was good. It definitely picked things back up, but um, I would have preferred something else. Maybe like a 30 minute bittersweet motel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you know, after they were kind of running out of time at that point, so there wasn't going to be. I know Fluffheads were normally thirteen, fourteen minutes, but I don't think they were going to get into a huge jam at that point of the evening. Um, so I thought that definitely brought the the energy back up in the room, and then to close out with the Weekaba was was I think as good as they could have ended that set at that point. Yeah, I mean, actually thinking back, um, and I was thinking about this earlier, um, they closed strong with Fluffhead Weekapog. So there was kind of this, you know, a, a little bit of a lull kind of in, in the Mike's groove, but it, it closed well. So like six, seventh innings were a little laggy maybe, but uh, eighth and nine they came out and knocked it. Yeah, they could use kind of some better, better middle relief, but they had a really good closer. Awesome. Okay, there you go. I'm glad we're getting, um, getting into different kinds of sports metaphors given the season um well guys i guess just before we wrap up let's get a quick take from each of you on i mean where do you think the tour is headed from here not not logistically because we know they're going to great woods next but um you know musically energy wise you know what it, when you left what were you thinking about um you know what do you think is coming next i mean my view is that you know i i think I think it's natural to compare the, you know, first 10 shows of this summer tour to last summer tour. And, you know, I think a lot of people would agree that it's not quite, they're not quite reaching the heights that they were reaching uh, this early uh, in the tour last year. Um, but I, I think they're going to get there, you know, and, and I, I don't, I don't feel like this tour 
will end up as strong overall as 2015 simply because I just don't think there's that foundation that that super strong foundation that they're build that they built on last year. But I, I have no doubt that a month from now when we're talking about the gorge or when we're talking about BGCA, I mean, we're, we're going to get some, you know, top notch shows that will stand up to, you know, anything we heard from 2015. I just don't expect, you know, kind of a long stretch of a week or two where they're just, you know, nailing things like they did last year. I think it's going to be a little bit more up and down. Yeah. I think um, it's going to be, there'll be some standout shows, but it's not going to be runs um, like it was last year. I think the, the change up to the West coast, I think will will definitely um, do something for the band. Not to say that the next, three shows aren't or going to the potential to be great, but I think it'll be kind of like a demarcation point for the tour. Um, one thing I was glad to see last night though, was Trey brought back out the awesome Park, which after a few years of, of not being my favorite guitar of his last year, I came to love and I don't know, it, it kind of, it seemed to be a portent of good things, especially in the first set. Um, hopefully they can, they can take some of that and, and, pushing into Great Woods and, and Hartford and, and Syracuse before they leave the East Coast, where they only play the good shows. So. <laughs> I hope you guys are right, or maybe I hope you're wrong, and they just come out in Great Woods and just start knocking it out every show. Maybe that's what I really hope. I think they're I'll messing with it. us, and I think they're going to play Wilson at Great Woods, just to, just to wink at it. But uh, um, <laughs> so we're going to... trolling, Jonathan. Yeah, I do. I think they're trolling us, yeah. So, I, which would be great. Um <laughs> So we're going to go ahead and play some of that tweezer jam for everybody. Um, and uh, hopefully everybody has some safe travels to Great Woods. And uh, thanks, guys, for coming on and talking with us. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you guys back. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. And Josh, have fun at, at Great Woods. CJ, are you catching any more shows? Yeah, I'm going to be hard for you. Awesome. Great. We look forward to, to hearing more from you guys. Hope you continue to have a blast. Um, and thanks again for joining. Thanks, guys. This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Do you ever just want to break through the noise of the endless tapping, tagging, typing, and scrolling? Talk to your audience where they're really listening, like you are now, and start advertising in audio. Start your podcast ad campaign for as little as $250 by visiting go.acast.com slash ads. That's go.acast.com slash ads what is a city without its music 
The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Do you ever just want to break through the noise of the endless tapping, tagging, typing, and scrolling? Talk to your audience where they're really listening, like you are now, and start advertising in audio. Start your podcast ad campaign for as little as $250 by visiting go.acast.com slash ads. That's go.acast.com slash ads. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 